0: Welcome to Elite Team Athletics Podcast. Be sure to check us out on iHeartRadio and Apple Podcasts. Click that subscribe button and leave a comment. I got my guy Q in here. I'm your host, Kyle Coglitori, and we have the pleasure of having one of the greatest shooters on the planet with us today, Duncan Robinson. What's going on,
1: Duncan? Hey, appreciate you guys having me, man. Um, fan of the show for sure. Check, checked out a couple episodes, so um, appreciate you guys having me.
0: Dude, we appreciate you coming on. You're big time now. We we thought you were out of our league, bro.
1: No, no, no. Definitely not. Definitely not big time. Always got uh, always got time for somebody. You know, I competed against uh, with Q. You know, we go back a little bit, so some good memories there. Um, should make for a, a fun little chop up session here.
0: Why don't you two
2: give us this little story, this little rundown between you two? I'll, so, I'll let I'll let you tell it, man. Go ahead. So we, we can go both sides with this one. I mean, Duncan, obviously, I remember, you know, we had a, a timeout with maybe 18 seconds left or something like that. And, you know, they had the ball. They had an ATO. And I think the ball was in his hands. He actually had an opportunity to, you know, put them up one. He ended up missing the, the shot attempt. It's like a mid-range. And his center, Mike Maker, I believe.
1: Mayor, mayor, yeah.
2: Mike Mayor. He ended up getting a tip in, and all of a sudden, you know, my heart sank into my stomach. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, what we, you know, no time to really think about what to do, just react. You know, basketball is obviously played off of instincts. And, you know, thank God our coach instilled in himself 15 years ago that he would never call a timeout in that situation. And – the cards just were dealt the way they were dealt.
1: Yeah, man. It's uh it's funny that because I, I had a, a similar reaction to my, my heart sinking um just you know five or six seconds later than yours. Uh you know in that instance like you said we we were up one. Um, and then maybe for those that don't know the context, I, I went to Williams College, uh Q played at uh, Wisconsin Whitewater and uh you know we're meeting in the national championship game. And uh, you know, like like I said, I I missed a little like kind of floater runner. Mike tips it in. I'm thinking to myself, we just won a national championship. Like I like, it's over, you know what I mean? So we started running back on defense. I thought there were like two seconds left. Turns out there's like four and a half or whatever. And uh, you know, that's all he needed to get down the floor. He got down the floor in about 2.5 or whatever it was. And we're all kind of playing the Olay defense because we don't want to foul. And next thing we know, He's right at the rim uh, all the way and finishing and one. Uh, I think he made the free throw too, right? And then. um,
2: Because I attempted to miss the free throw and it went in. So it gave you guys, you know, (laughs) an opportunity to kind of set your offense and try to, you know, make a miraculous play.
1: Yeah, man. It was, uh, yeah, I think I got like a heave right around half court and and missed it. Um, But just, uh, it's crazy, man. Just like the, the change in emotion to, to thinking like, wow, we, I just won or we just won or we're about to win. And then all of a sudden it's just pure devastation. Um, And obviously you guys, you know, celebrating on the court confetti, the whole thing. Um, It's just, it's crazy to look back on it. Definite roller coaster.
2: I definitely thought he was probably gonna like rim in that half court heave that he threw up. I was just, (laughs) I watched the game I watched the the semifinals game versus Amherst, and it's funny because I was looking at, like, old box scores and stuff like that, and you guys lost to Amherst twice that season. but Three times. Them? Three times. Oh, conference yeah. tourney also? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And then you blew them out by 30 in the semis. And you had 30. Let's talk about that as <laughs> well. I'm like, who is this freshman putting up numbers like this? And all, like, you know, I guess, you know, it's hard to beat a team. You know, they say three times, but four times a charm.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was uh, – they had our number all year. I mean, that they're, they're our rivals. You know, we're like 45 minutes from each other, and it's a rivalry that goes way back. So uh, they beat us twice during the regular year. Um, one of them wasn't even really that close. And then we had another chance in the uh, conference championship, tournament championship, and lost that one too. So – and then, of course, we run into them in the Final Four. You know, we're – 45 minutes down the road from each other. And we both get on a a plane to go play down in Salem, Virginia. Um, And and I guess that's what it took to to finally get them a little change of scenery, get out of new England. And uh, yeah, we we were able to, we just played great that game. Like we just were kind of firing on all cylinders and we came into the game against you guys, super confident, just because of how we had played the night before. Um, And it's so funny looking back, like, you know division three we played a back-to-back for a national championship which is just like it's crazy to think but that's just how it was like during our season we played friday friday night saturday noon games back-to-back like that's how all our games were and i didn't know anything i didn't know anything different so it was just like yeah this is fine but now you know guys complain all the time about backs and backs and that sort of thing i the travel is a little different now but um nonetheless man it was uh yeah, just just a, a crazy journey. Fun to look back on for sure.
0: Dude, your journey is absurd, absolutely absurd, man. I mean, the the crazy thing too to me when I look back at everything that I've read about you is it seems very calculated. You know, your old man played ball, so I'm guessing he was very passionate about the sport. Put that into you. The the weird thing though is I don't know how tall your mom is. It says your dad's only like six foot. How'd you get to be six eight, dude?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm like the anomaly in my family. Um... You know my dad my dad is is six foot as well like he's not he's not tall i, I get i get the height from my mom's family but nobody's above six four and then all of a sudden i'm six seven six eight so i grew late though man you know i was five six as a freshman in high school um just like kind of a classic late bloomer um took me a while to to figure it out you know when you're growing that fast all throughout high school it's like you got you got to figure out how to like move and run and like get coordinated again before you can think about getting good at basketball. So it took me a while to like figure it out physically and kind of grow into my body. For sure. Was the jumper always there? I could, I always had like some natural, you know, like I, I don't think anyone's just like born a good shooter, but like you, there are certain things where you can, things can just kind of come easier to you and uh, like touch and feel and that sort of thing. I've always just kind of had, um, throughout high school though. Like I, I didn't really know how to like work out or get better. You know, I, I would just spend a ton of time like in the gym, but it was just kind of like, I don't want to say wasted hours, but like, you know, I would just shoot, walk after the ball, like dribble back out and shoot. Like I wasn't like really intentional about getting better. And then later on in my high school career, I, I linked up with like a trainer and, and he really, really helped me develop because it, you know, all the hours that I was putting in, they were actually like. I was actually seeing improvement and, and, and progress. Um, so that, after that, after I linked with him, you know, I just got, I got exponentially better in like a short period. And I just kind of fell in love with it from there. And you said that was your junior year, right? Yeah, I was really, really going into, uh, so I did five years. <laughs> this is the other thing, man. I, I call it the 10 year plan, man. Five years of high school, five years of college. Uh, took my time with it. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, my junior year of high school, like I was posting DMPs, like coach DMPs uh, on a very, very average high school team, like not even good necessarily high school basketball. And uh, then my senior year, like I, I started and played more and started to figure it out. But but by that point, like no colleges were recruiting me or anything. So I opted to take a fifth year. Um, it was probably the best, best decision I ever made just because it, it opened up some pathways for me from there.
0: When you're senior year, you're averaging 18 and a half points. You had to be
1: pissed that you weren't hearing from people. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you know how it goes Like with the recruiting, a lot of it's that summer before. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't even play AAU, as crazy as that sounds. But like from junior to senior year, I didn't even play AAU. Like at that point, I was just really focused on trying to get better, like trying to really improve and not just like play whatever is seven, eight games in a weekend, but try to just be in the gym and work on like developing as a player. So, uh, you know, once I started, once my senior year started and it was pretty obvious at that point, I was like six, five, six, six, I'd gotten a lot better and I was scoring a little bit. Um, then I started hearing from like some smaller division three schools. Um, but like nothing that was super exciting. And I felt like, I felt like if I took another year of high school, then I would have a little bit more, um, of an opportunity, you know, to, to kind of showcase my abilities.
2: So
0: between me and you and Q, obviously, um, for the kids that listen to this show, how did you handle all the people that are in your ears chirping you for even staying another year? Like, I, I just know that as a high school kid, it's hard enough being a kid. But at the same time, you have everybody who thinks what you should be doing, telling you you're doing things wrong, or you think you're too big for this, or you know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. how'd you handle that and stay on the right track?
1: Um, you know, I, I think... Uh... It's funny, man, there, there's a big emphasis on like people, on like proving people wrong, right? And that like paying yourself as an underdog and proving people wrong. And, and I think that there's, there's power in that for sure. Like my whole thing has always been about less about that and more about proving like, first of all, my, my own belief in my abilities, right. But also the people that are actually in my corner and actually believing me, like proving those beliefs, right. Versus instead of like focusing my energy on proving people wrong, um, because the fact of the matter is like no matter what you do people are going to be chirping like you said like people come out of the woodwork it's so easy to have an opinion especially nowadays yeah um everyone's got one so like for me just from a distraction standpoint focus standpoint like just keep your energy on on the people that are actually building you up um and and trying to to help in your journey and uh you know if, if you're able to do that like I'm, I'm super fortunate because, you know, a lot of my closest friends today are, are the friends that I grew up with. And, you know, my family is incredibly supportive as well. Um, and also, like, you know, I've, I've had coaches that believed in me and, and saw something in me that at the time that I didn't necessarily see in myself. So, you know, it's, it's certainly, you know, no one person has to handle all that weight on, their, on themselves. And it helps to be able to kind of uh, delegate that to, to other people as well. And then, I mean, clearly you
0: started getting calls. I I know academics seemed to be very important to you when you were making your decisions. And and when Williams called you, you obviously listened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, it was twofold, man. Like a a great school, a great opportunity academically, you know, back then, um, my, my main goal with basketball was to use it to get into a school that I wouldn't be able to get into without it. Um, just because I, I was pretty good academically, but but not nearly good enough to like get into any of those schools without basketball. So once Williams came around and some other schools of that nature, um, I felt like I was like, all right, like I I'm, I'm serving basketball is serving its purpose. Like I'm I'm getting to where I or at least on the doorstep of where I want to be. And uh, you know, Coach Maker, who who was the head coach at the time, he he made it easy for me. Like he he was the first coach to really really believe in me. Um, you know, I, I committed to play for him before I even played my fifth year of high school and that I didn't want to wait. Um, I felt like I had had the experience in high school of not playing and I wanted to go somewhere where I knew I was going to contribute right away. You know, people kept telling me like, Oh, hold out for division ones, whatever Ivy league, Patriot league. And, and there's a chance, like kind of, some of them started to come around even after I had committed, but like by that point I, I knew where I wanted to be. And, and he, Um, made it very clear that I was a priority and I just wanted to go somewhere where I fit first and foremost and where I felt like I was wanted and uh, he certainly made me feel that so you know once I got on campus and saw everything and you know you couple that with the basketball success that they've had as a program um, it it was really an easy decision. Well the crazy thing
0: too is Mike never played freshman you're the first freshman he ever started.
1: Yeah, yeah. That so that uh, yeah. I, I think he believed really, in you quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really know that at the time. Um, <laughs> you know, it was like I remember in the fall. I don't know for whatever reason. Like I never, I probably have like a worse image of myself than like maybe what it actually is. So like I didn't think I was gonna maybe even play like my first year. Like I didn't even know where I was, uh, you know, stacking up or whatever um you know we play open gym that's the thing about division three is q knows like you don't have a regimented preseason where like division one you're with the coaches you, you kind of get in the field for whatever rotations offense all that sort of stuff like we were just like lifting on our own as a team but like not with the staff or anything and we were playing pickup. like that was pretty much it so you know we had two all-americans coming back we had a really good team the year before i had no idea where i was gonna fit and uh he just had, like I said earlier, like he just had this vision for me and that like, he wanted me to come in and, and be super aggressive. And that was like a, a feeling out process for me because I, you know, I, I didn't want to like ruffle feathers. I didn't want to step on people's toes. Like I'm a freshman, all this. And, and he was the only time he would ever get mad at me was when he felt like I was being too passive. Like that was it. And, uh, like he used to tell me, it's, cra- it's crazy looking back, like, he used to tell me, like, once we got to the halfway point, he would say to me, he's like, just letting you know I'm going to play you 40 minutes tonight. I'm like, I'm like damn, this is awesome. Like, I'm going. Like, this is the best. This is a dream come true. Um, so I was just super fortunate to have somebody, like, that just always believed in it and pushed me to be, like, something bigger, which I'm, I'm very, very thankful for. Uh, he was, I mean, exponential in your
0: growth. Because, like, I mean, like you said, you didn't get much tick in high school. Then you finally yeah. started getting ticked towards the end.
1: And then this guy gave you, you led the team in minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I think think like a huge part for me and and really any player is like, you know, part of developing confidence is playing through mistakes and and learning through failure. Um, That year was huge for me because I started to like shoulder more of a responsibility. And, um, you know, as a freshman, you're you're adjusting to the level. And of course there's going to be a lot of mistakes and at times, Physically, might have been over, overwhelming or what have you. Um, but he just kept kind of pushing the envelope like, no, this is what we need you to be. This is what we need you to be. And if you can get to this point, then we can unlock our potential as a team, um, which was pretty good. Obviously, not good enough to get to get it all the way done. But uh, it, was, it was pretty good. I mean, I think we were like 33 and three or four. I think you might have given us our fourth, actually, now that I think about it. But yeah, man. So
2: it's wild. So just from a like a height standpoint. So you know, going into the game, you have the game plan, you know, your scouting report, you have the maybe the height, weight, position, blah, blah, blah. So we're looking at the scouting report. You know, sometimes I don't know how if this was the case with Williams, you can kind of like list yourself as your own height, whatever you want to put a yeah. thing. So I'm like, okay, I'm <laughs> I was six foot. I'm not a legit six foot, I may be five ten. The first time I've heard you admit that. <laughs> Better, man, go on, keep going. Um, so I'm legit five ten. I listed six foot. So they have Duncan on paper. I think we had him like six eight. The kid is a legit six eight at that time. I'm sure you, he's grown. He's grown since then. Probably a solid six nine ish from right now. But I'm like, okay, maybe he's like six six. You know, people put a couple inches on there every time. I, I get out there on the floor. You know, we're we're about to tip off. I'm like, this dude's really like six eight. Are you looking up at this, like this? Not necessarily that high, but I was like, okay, like, like okay, this dude's really, he has like an NBA body, like an NBA No, body. I
1: didn't though. I was six, I 6'8", 175, maybe like frame-wise and potential to get to that point, but I was, I was real thin back then, bro. Like, you guys, you guys were tough for us because you guys were so physical and the way that you played, like you sped us up. And, and pick the ball up early and did sort of like different things to get us uncomfortable. Uh, there weren't a lot of teams that we had played earlier in the year that did that to us. So that was part of the reason why like that first half, we just had such a time, like tough time getting into rhythm. Um, but I, I appreciate, it. I mean, you're, you're lying and saying that I had an NBA body cause I definitely didn't. Um, but maybe frame and that I had some blank and size.
2: For, for a 3 guy you, you had an NBA size I mean you don't see too many six eight guards in D3 let's let's be honest 6 eight is maybe the big man in, in D3
1: yeah no that's that's uh, that, that's true for sure I mean it's it's a uh, it's a fun level though man like I, I look back and I defend it to the, to the end just because a lot of people don't understand how good division three basketball is like they just don't get it at all. And, uh, I mean, obviously you guys were the best team in the country that year. Um, but they're so, like the top, the top of the division three is I think competitive with like low level, certainly division twos, but like, I think low level division ones, um, low majors, um, all the way through just because like you guys, you guys had a bunch of seniors, like grown, grown men, um, that really knew how to play the game as well. So you guys were, were super tough. You got something else real quick? I see you smiling.
2: Uh, I mean we had a very competitive group. It's uh it was nice because, you know, a lot of the guys were in the system already. You know, we majority of those guys played on the twenty twelve national championship team as well. So we had a few guys who were, you know, already into the system. They have had that experience. And, you know, it's it's tough to to go that far and, you know, obviously just compete, you know, especially as a senior year. You don't want your, your season to be cut short. And, unfortunately, only one team ends up victorious. So it's, it's a grind. It was, it was fun while it lasted. And, you know, obviously we'll cherish those moments and those battles that we had. Sure. Well, then, Mike,
0: he's leaving after your first season there. and You were seriously contemplating staying, right?
1: Yeah, I, I was for sure going to stay, all four, 100%. Um, you know, if, if he had stayed and, and he had been at Williams, then, then I would have been there. Um, all the way through, and you know, he was fortunate enough to, to take the Division One job. And, you know, I, I remember the conversation vividly, him calling and telling me that he was leaving, and I was just kind of taken back. I mean, I, I, I kind of thought that it, it could have happened just in that he had had so much success there. So I figured that it was, it was going to happen eventually. I didn't think it was going to happen at that point. Um, but uh, I, I was super happy for him. And once I kind of got past, like, the shock of it happening, then I kind of realized that it could be a big time opportunity. Um, And we had this weird stretch where like, we didn't have a coach and there was like three, three weeks or so where they kind of put together a search committee and tried to find the next guy for the job. Uh, And in that stretch, I like signed a release just to kind of like look out and, and see what maybe other options would be out there. Wasn't, I Remember like talking to my friend, like you know, maybe some division two schools would like offer for me this time because I was only a year removed from like getting recruited, like maybe some like low Ivy Leagues like Brown or not to take a shot at Brown, um, but like <laughs> Dartmouth, like like stuff like that. Um, and all of a sudden I just start hearing from like these schools that I just would never expect from. I'm just like, what? I'm like, what is going on? Like, I'm I'm the same kid like whatever it is 18 months ago that you guys wouldn't even look at it You're like it's just crazy um and then uh you know coach Beline called me offered me an official visit first and you know usually that's a pretty good sign that that they're interested and uh he, he offered me on my visit and of course I committed like on the spot I, I wasn't going to leave the room and, and let it let that offer go anywhere um so it, it was just crazy man it, it was just like a whirlwind of like a two two weeks or so and then like six weeks later, I was on campus and, and I was enrolled and, um, you know, ready, ready to go. So it, it's just, it's crazy how fast it all happened. It was a blur.
2: So, been, I, go ahead, Q, my bad. so besides Michigan, obviously, what other schools were contacting you as far as interest? Sure. Yeah. So I, I put out,
1: I put together a list of schools that I would have left Williams for. And it was, this was before I heard from Michigan. And it was like, literally like shoot for the moon like I never thought any of these schools would reach out to me. It was basically like Stanford, Michigan, Duke um, like UCLA like a bunch of school like high level athletic and academic schools. Davidson was on there um, that I felt like I could kind of fit with basketball wise too and uh, I didn't hear from Stanford but but Davidson had me on campus. They ended up offering me Iowa State um, was kind of in the mix Creighton um was in the mix. I was supposed to go to Creighton uh after Michigan, but then I ended up canceling it because I committed uh BC. Um and then like some other like smaller New England ones, but there are schools that I heard from, but I, I was never really um, you know, once like Michigan and some other ones came in into play, it was like, I mean, it's it's gonna be hard to close that door now that it's been opened. That's
2: um, a big 10. That's a big 10,
1: yeah, yeah. So it it was it was, it was actually a tough decision because I, I really did like Davidson, and um, in many ways it could have people generally probably would have thought that it was actually a better fit for me. But obviously I'm, I'm happy I made the decision that I did.
0: Well, I mean, the, the crazy thing too is
1: Maker, you know, worked with Beeline, right, in West Virginia? Yeah, yeah. So that that was really part of the connection um, is that I, I remember talking to Coach Maker on the phone, and he had told me, he's like, look, you know, it, I, I hear that you're kind of poking around, looking at some different options. If you want me to call Michigan and, and Coach Beeline, you know, I'd be happy to, to vouch for you on your behalf. So he calls him, and then, like, I think the next day, maybe I hear from Coach Beeline, and, and he gives me a call. He goes, hey, Duncan, you know, I haven't even seen you play. I haven't watched a second of film or anything. I just have, you know, the words of, of Coach Maker. And, you know, if, if you really want to be a part of the program, like, we can try to get you as a walk-on and, and try to maybe make something happen. And I, I didn't want to do that, you know. I wasn't going to leave to. I wanted like the the investment um, from the program that that I was really you know potentially going to be a, a piece moving forward. And uh, he's like, look, I'm going to watch some film and and I'll call you you know in the next couple of days or so. He called me like six hours later and was like, hey, I just I just watched your film. Um, I ran through everything. I watched like five games from this year. He's like. I apologize about, about the walk-on. He's like, I apologize. He's like, I want to get you on campus. Um, we want to have you for an official visit and, uh, forget the forget the walk-on stuff. Like (laughs) we're, we're thinking about offering you a scholarship. And that like from six hours earlier, that was like the craziest transition. I was like, I couldn't believe, I remember like not being able to speak on the other end of the phone being like, I can't believe you know, John Beline who was just in the national championship two years before coming off an elite eight. Like I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, like this is incredible. Um, and then, yeah, what, what have you ten, 10, days later, um, I'm on campus. He said, he claims, you know, him and I are still close. He claims to this day, I'm the only player that he's ever offered off a of strictly film. <laughs> he, he never, he never watched me play. Like that was the other thing. He had me for my official visit. And a lot of times on officials, you know, the coaches will evaluate them playing with the guys and, like, doing some different things. He told me, he's like, on oh, my visit, he's like, he's like, I don't I don't even want you to play. Like, I, I know you're good enough to play here. And uh, it was his confidence in me that ultimately gave me the confidence to, like, pull the trigger and be like, all right, I, I can do this. So, I, I you know, I'm definitely indebted to him and that he took a huge chance on me for sure.
0: Well, on top of that, I mean, it, you're the first player to ever go from D3 to get a full-ride scholarship at a D1 level. You're the only player to ever do that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, that's, I guess that's how it's reported. I'm, I'm sure there's gotta be someone else out there who's done it. Um, but, uh, it's, it, it's really, I, I tell this to people, cause like people always ask me how, did, you know, when you were at Williams, how'd you get to Michigan you know, this or that. And it's like, I, I really didn't, I didn't forecast it. Like, and I think that's something that really worked in my favor and that I didn't try to like plan out my steps. Like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to kill. And then I'm going to transfer. Like, no, it, it was really just – I was just trying to truthfully get on the floor at Williams. Like, I was just trying to excel where I was. Like, you know, I, credit to to, that, to the Williams program and, and the guys. And, you know, they certainly pushed me and got me a lot better. But um, it, it was just all about, like, helping Williams win and, and impacting winning night in and night out. And that ultimately, you know, taking advantage of those opportunities is what opened the doors for other opportunities.
0: So you don't tell them, you know, you got to shoot 46% from the three. You got to be the rookie of the year. You got to be an All-American. You almost got to win a national championship. Those things help?
1: <laughs> nah, I, because, like, I I still – I know full and well that, like, I could have done all those things and, and this never would have happened. Like, there are so many things outside of my control that, that broke and happened the way that they did that I would be a fool to think that, like, oh, yeah, I just did it, like, on my own. You know what I mean? Like, it – there were so many things outside of my control. So that, that's why there's like, there's no answer to like how, how to do it. It's just like, truthfully, I mean, you gotta, obviously you got to work and like take care of your side of the end, but like you, you need luck. (laughs) Like you really do like timing opportunity. That's one thing I've learned throughout my basketball, basketball career as much as anything is that so much of it is situation and opportunity. Like dudes can play everywhere, but not everybody gets opportunity. Not everyone gets situation. And then taking advantage of those opportunities and situations when they're working in your favor. That That's like, in my opinion, the be-all end-all of like how you continue to move forward in your career.
0: Well, then, or you got some cue?
2: My bad. I was going to say, so since we're on the the topic of opportunities, before you signed with the Heat, you had an opportunity to go with the Lakers as well. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. I was – there were a couple of different teams um, in the mix. It, it really came down to Milwaukee, LA, and, and here, yeah.
0: So you like South Beach? Uh,
1: it actually, it didn't have anything to do with that. Um, obviously, you know, being in, in Miami is great, but I would have gone anywhere uh, that, that would have given me a legit shot. You know, Miami felt like the best fit, and, and I give a ton of credit to my agent because truthfully, I, I wanted to go to, to LA um, for whatever reason, I thought I thought I knew what was best for me. Turns out I I didn't. Um, And he, he really strongly uh, encouraged me to, to go with the heat. You know, I I was pretty confident. I I wasn't going to get drafted. I felt pretty comfortable with that and I was okay with that. And I I figured that it was going to be advantageous and that I could pick my situation, at least for summer league. And uh, the Heat, you know, they have a great track record of working with undrafted guys and giving them opportunity and, playing the guys that helped them win and not just playing the guys that are drafted or, you know, they, they paid contracts to, um, but instead just going with whatever helps them win. And, and then on top of that, they didn't have a draft pick. So I felt that if I agreed to play with them summer league, I'd have a lot of opportunity to play, which was really, and once again, it's opportunity and situation. I felt like for at least summer league, they were going to give me the best situation to be successful. Um, and they did. I mean, I, I, for whatever reason, I, I started all the summer league games and, and I had a chance to, to really go out there and like showcase my abilities, get seen in a little bit different different light in that, you know, Michigan, I, w- I was asked to play a very specific role and, um, you know, we were really good. So I'm, I was happy to do it, but um, I, I really relished the opportunity to be in a different uniform just because I felt like I could kind of show showcase a little bit um of the things that i didn't necessarily get to showcase in college
0: you don't the, the weird thing too is like when you look back at your college system, i mean it's a system right you fit in where you fit in and you you were very successful you're sixth man of the year in the big 10 sixth man of the year in the big 10 you guys won two big 10 championships you also got to play in a national championship you're the only other you're you're the only player that's played in a national championship at the d3 level and the d1 level i mean there's a lot of things that you're the first person to do
1: I'm also the only person to lose a division three and a division one national championship. Um, I have to joke about that because if I don't, I, I get all of my feelings. Um, Yeah, man. I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, like I said, like at Michigan, I was a part of some really, really good teams. I played with some really good players. And, you know, one thing about coach B line is he has his system and how he wants to play. And it's for good reason. I mean, he's, consistently no matter where he goes he wins um always in the tournament always making postseason runs his teams are always at their best late in the year and uh you know for me when i transferred there my 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 goal and dream was to contribute you know like it's funny because as, as you move forward like you continue to move the goalposts but like when i was at michigan it was just like how do i get on the floor here like how how do i help this team win and so much of it was spacing the floor and and that's what they really asked me to do and um you know it's it's done in a different way than what I do now you know we we ran a lot of ball screen action obviously we do still with the heat today um but we didn't we didn't run a lot of catch and shoots and as a result I I wasn't in a lot of the action but instead especially you know my first year I had a really good non-conference and made some shots so the scouting report was quickly out that all I wanted to do was catch and shoot so we basically said all right We'll stick Duncan in the corner. We'll play four on four and good luck trying to guard our action in, in you know, in space basically. Um, and that, that's, that's basically was much of my role for, for most of my career. And then, you know, now with the, the heat, it's, it's very different. I'm, I'm used more in the action. Um, it's a lot more, we call them triggers um, of me coming off stuff and, and creating advantages and getting to catch and shoots, getting to dribble handoffs and, and playing those sorts of games
0: it's it's very like Steph Curry rip Hamilton like the way they use you it's pretty sweet
1: yes yeah, it's, it's it's uh you know it's it's definitely different you know it's um you know when i got to miami they told me or i'll start with saying this throughout the pre-draft process all the teams were like all right, look we know you can shoot but we don't know if you can hold your own like in other areas on in an NBA game, like we don't know if you can defend, we don't know like what position do you guard this, that, or whatever, and uh like, but they were like, we don't, we're not worried about improving your shooting. Miami was very different in that they were like, all right, we're gonna improve all those other areas. We're gonna get you bigger, stronger, better shape, move better, so you can hold your own. But we want to take your skill and and elevate it. So like, instead of just being like a, a really really good catch and shoot shooter, like we want to put you in action. We want to fly you off of stuff. We want to make you this constant trigger that defenses are always worried about. And they had a blueprint with it. Like like Wayne Ellington, who was there the year before I got there and, and we played together for a year as well, um, was unbelievable at it. Uh, he had a, a career year here in Miami um, just because of how they utilize shooters. And it was an easy sell for me just because, you know, Spo has always been with me. Like just be, just be ultra aggressive, let it fly, shoot, shoot, be aggressive, come off the of stuff. Um, and just be like a terror for defenses. So it's definitely been like a mindset that I've had to develop over time, but I'm, I'm starting to get there, which is good. So the crazy thing too, that
0: I want to rewind just slightly. Yeah. You, you blew up you went uh, viral on IG because a tweet came out or a text came out about you looking for an internship. <laughs> Was your mind? And I mean, obviously people want to headline the way that they want to spin it. Was your mind really like basketball maybe done with me? I, I, I got to look into something else or were you just doing the correct things because maybe your parents are like, Hey, you need a backup plan. <laughs>
1: um, I, I, I was confident I was going to play somewhere. You know, I, I wouldn't have cared. Uh, obviously I wanted to play uh, here versus overseas, but, um, I was, I was prepared to, to play anywhere and excited to play anywhere. Um, you know, at that point it was, that was more so just about like checking boxes just in case something fell through or like, you know, whatever, building relationships and starting to network a little bit. Um, it was, it was also like a a career planning class that I had, like we were supposed to reach out to some people. Um, so it it, kind of made sense, but it's funny reaching out to, to Mark Titus at that time. Um, that was before my senior year. And, you know, even after my senior year, I remember being asked by like reporters in our, uh, before our, our banquet. So like, which country do you want to play in next year? Like, and I was like, well, you know, I want to play, I want to play in the United States, Like, I'm, maybe Canada, if I'm going to Toronto, but like, you know, it was just like, I didn't say that. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm open to playing wherever. Like, we'll see where, you know, how everything plays out. But it, I was pretty much a consensus, not NBA player, like at that point. Um, but it, it, it took like a vision and and I give the the Heat organization a ton of credit for believing in me and and instilling that confidence. Well,
0: when you see headlines too, I mean, like I said, you went viral on IG for that text, but then on top of that, you have the wall street journal telling people you're the most improbable NBA player in the league. But then they also say you're one of the greatest shooters on the planet. I mean, it's, it's a sideways compliment, but the second one's a pretty sweet compliment.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take it the the first one, just because I I do have a lot of pride in, in kind of the way that I I got to where I am. And, um, you know, it's funny because everybody paints themselves as an underdog, you know what I mean? Like, that's just kind of the mentality that people develop, which I think is a positive thing. Um, but it is, it is cool to, to be able to share the story, um, that I've kind of the way I've come up and, um, try to inspire other people and, uh, just like, continue to encourage that belief in yourself and no matter the circumstances in the situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, you said, and I appreciate you saying that, that you think I'm, I'm one of the best shooters. Uh, it's certainly humbling. It's, it's crazy. Some of the, just like the statistical categories that I'm like mentioned in, it, I, I certainly never would have even thought of it, um, thought that that would ever be the case. So I'm, I'm very thankful for it. And uh, just try to try to keep it all in perspective that, uh, it, it could all be very different, you know, and if things had happened that I had no control over. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm just trying to, I just try to take advantage of the opportunities that I've given basically.
0: Well, I mean, the most important category that you fell in was the, uh, the new 2k rating, where you're third at three point shooting percentage behind clay and Steph Curry. or Steph's number one, my bad, <laughs> Steph, clay, then you, you're ahead of JJ. Is JJ going to ask you back on the show and you guys are going to argue about <laughs> this or what?
1: uh 2k man don't don't get too caught up in the 2k rankings man they they uh they're not as locked in as you would think i i mean growing up playing 2k i used to think that they were like the be all end all of like who's better than who but uh they're not as locked in as you think i I remember through like many stretches of last year where i would like look at my my rating every time i look i eventually just stopped looking because i would like play well through like through a stretch and nothing would change. I mean, I was, I was the worst Funny story. Like I was the worst player rated player in 2k to start last year, in the entire league. So I've, I've definitely had a, a little bit of a cone. but I also, I also don't, I just don't pay attention to them because it's just a lot of noise. So we opinion. need to get at Ronnie real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he does a good job. He, he does do a good job and I know he's got a lot of boxes to check, but I try not to get too caught up.
0: Well, all right. So the other thing, too, when we're talking about the underdog story, um, your teammate, he's a pretty big underdog story himself, Jimmy Buckets. Um, yep. Minnesota guy's here. So we, we got a year of him. We really enjoyed it. We're sad that he left. Um, but it looks like Miami's extremely happy that he went to South Beach.
1: Yeah. Um, Jimmy's awesome, man. He's, it's funny because, you know, he has, he has that reputation that he kind of developed um, really before he got here which is that he was whatever bad teammate bad locker room guy bad for chemistry um could not be further from the truth you know my, my first experience obviously playing with him last year but um he's just he's the ultimate competitor and he just wants to win and uh he has like a, a competitive like will and, and grit about him um that you just he exudes confidence and, and he breathes life into his teammates and particularly last year you know we were we had guys, younger guys playing bigger roles and um, to have that like vote of confidence from your best player, your all-star, um, your max player, however you want to paint it means so much. And it's funny because his communication can be a little bit direct and, and poignant. And I think that maybe not everybody likes to be talked to in that way, but like as a team, we we love that type of stuff. Like it's, it's, it's hard to explain, but like, that's, we we like call that like, that's our language. Like, that's how we communicate. Like it's it's direct. It's to the point. We're not mincing words. We're telling exactly like it is. And and that's how he leads. And uh, you know, that's how he gets the best out of everybody. And the great thing about Jimmy is it works both ways. Like if he's not handling his business, I mean, more often than not he is because he's ridiculous as a player, but if he's not like he has no problem, other people calling him out and, and holding him accountable as well. So the accountability works both ways, which is a huge difference maker.
0: And then, you know, you were, you were talking about how you got into your summer league. You, you got in a good start with Miami where you got opportunity. You were starting. Um, you averaged 12 and, and uh, almost three rebounds. Um, you were killing I think you were like 63% from three or something in your first five games, actually, which is absurd. Is that when they finally gave you a contract? or How would that all work out? Because obviously Wikipedia might be saying something a little weird.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, so I um, like I said, I had a lot of opportunity in summer league, and most of it was just to kind of be kind of featured around the the main core, which was at the time uh, Derrick Jones and Bam Adebayo. Um, th- those were kind of like the guys that that were going to be featured, and, and the fact that I could shoot and space the floor for them uh, kind of made me valuable in in, in that kind of setting. So uh, I think it was probably four or five games in. Um, is when they, they first offered me the, the two way, uh, which is basically being back and forth in the G league, uh, and the, and the heat. So it was, uh, opportunity I you know, I was super excited about and obviously jumped on. And, um, I, I just felt like it was my first initial step in the door and, you know, it's a two way is It's a challenge in that you are back and forth and you don't really fully feel like you're totally like a part of it. Um but uh you know i'm, I'm super grateful my experience in that first year just because i learned so much about first of all playing in the g league and, and playing through mistakes and developing confidence in the g league but then also being able to be up with the heat and uh i didn't get a ton of opportunities uh, i think i played like 15 games but just being able to observe and, and watch and really gain an understanding of what it takes to to compete and win at that level and watching guys like or being in the same locker room, even like guys like Dwayne Wade and Udonis Haslem, like legends. So that was definitely a special year, and learned a lot. And then when I came back for for my second year, um, it was all just about like, all right, can't be complacent. Like, gotta continue to push forward.
0: Well, and the crazy thing too is like you you've you've been saying you know opportunity and situation and just luck. Like to start off, you made opening day roster because there was the injuries to Lane Ellington and Justice Winslow, James Johnson, and Deion Waiters, like, things keep continuing to fall in your lap. Do you have a horseshoe up your ass or what, dude? Like, <laughs> like you um, your first NBA start, what was that, in February that year? February yeah, 2015, my it's, first, the start. Yeah. it's like, holy shit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I played terrible pretty much that whole year. <laughs> so it was funny because I remember kicking myself thinking, like, you know, I'm, I'm getting all this opportunity because like you said, I mean, even playing 15 games for a guy in a two way um, isn't super, super common, but they they really, you know, entrusted me with the, those opportunities. And uh, I didn't truth that I didn't play well in, in, in the stretches that I had. And, uh, you know, I, I remember kicking myself thinking like, all right, I have my chance. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Like an undrafted guy, you don't get multiple chances. You really don't. Um, but I think what they probably saw the most that year wasn't what I did in the limited opportunities, but more so like kind of how I handled my business and and how I just showed up every day, um, willing to work and, and willing to continue to try to improve and and having the fact that I had that understanding that I wasn't a finished product and that I really needed to continue to, to develop, um, which is basically the same thing I still do today and, and try to do today. Uh, just that. Just all about continuing to to chip away and try to improve.
0: Well, they also saw you score or average the rest of that season in the G League twenty one points and shooting damn near what fifty percent from three. Like that definitely helps. You're all G League. Like don't yeah. sell yourself short, man. Like you were killing it.
1: Yeah, I mean that I yeah, I, I was more so referring to my, my opportunities with the the heat. Um just because like, you know, you there are a lot of guys that, that kill in the G League, but you know, when they, they get with the big team or bright lights come on, whatever, they, they can't perform. Um, so I, I, I really was weary of, like, I didn't want to develop that type of reputation. Like, all right, he can he can make them in Sioux Falls, but can he make them in Miami? Um, but I, I knew that I could, and I knew that I was capable. It was just all about taking advantage of opportunities. Um, as you can see, there's, like, a common theme. And that first year, I wasn't, truthfully, but I felt like I had positioned myself and, and done enough, uh, at least like behind the scenes and with it for the organization, uh, just with my work that they would bring me back and give me another, another opportunity. And uh, they did. And that they, you know, they, they converted my contract late in that year um, and, and gave me another chance. Duncan, you back? Yeah, yeah my bad. I cut
0: no, Sweet. I got scared for a second. <laughs> no. Another thing that I, I, I kind of wanted to touch on uh, Alex Caruso came out and said this past summer, um, that a lot of people in the G league just don't understand that when you get to the league, you're not going to be the man and they don't understand roles. Is that something you completely comprehend? And that's why you've been so successful.
1: Um, I mean, I, yeah, I definitely think that, that that's a huge part of transitioning from the, the G league to the NBA um, or truthfully, like moving up any level, uh, whether it's high school to college in that, you know, particularly guys that are being evaluated in the G league and, and, guys that NBA teams are looking at, like you said, like they're not looking to bring you in to, to score. Um, more often than not, it's going to be they're looking to bring you in to maybe it's, you know, be a backup point guard. Maybe it's defend and, you know, make spot-up threes. Um, I, I think, or protect the rim, you know, catch laws, whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I think maybe something that was unique about me and something that I, I really struggled to, like, wrap my mind around was that, you know, when I was with the Heat, Like Coach Spoh would basically tell me to shoot it every single time I touched it, which was a crazy concept for me considering I'm this undrafted guy and there are like first-round picks who he's not telling that to. But it's like I I had to really understand the fact that that was my role and that if I was going to be on the floor, I had to be a constant threat because the fact of the matter is if I'm not doing what I do, like shooting at a high level, I'm not good enough in the other areas of my game to be out there to warrant being out there. And now it's, you know, it, it kind of works where like once you develop a reputation, then you can like kind of distort and, and shift defenses without even making shots, which is crazy. But like a lot of times I'll be out there and I might not even touch the ball, but I can still have an impact on a possession. So that's like, that, that was my role to, to just shoot and be like ultra aggressive. Um, so I'm, I'm super lucky to have that like green, green light, and, like, I, I, I have, like, the freedom to basically just let it
2: fly. Yeah, it, it, it's so fun watching you guys play just because, like, I can already anticipate the action that you guys are going to run. Like, okay, they're going to run Duncan off of a double. They have to step up and help. So now they can slip back door and all these other, you know, flare options. And it's crazy because you're such a threat from the perimeter that they have to honor that. And if they don't, then they can see it go through the net. Splash.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, particularly in the bubble, man, like we started to really develop like a good rapport as a team and we really started to figure out like how each other play and we showed flashes of it throughout the regular season. You know, we had stretches where we played really, really good basketball and, um, it just all started to kind of come together in the bubble and, you know, we, we play together really well. You know, there's, there's definitely an identity and, and each guy, you know, so much of, of having success at this level is about buying into roles and having, like, everyone buy in. Um, and we really had that. So it, it makes it so much easier, too, when, like, guys aren't necessarily worried about shots. I mean, it's, it's incredibly uncommon at this level, especially once you have, like, money and, and contracts and all these things, all these different variables that, that pull and push people different ways um, to have people out there, like, really just playing, freely and playing off of each other it's it's special for sure
0: and then i mean it it was like this past season was a coming out season for you like you really established who you were um you put on 15 pounds of muscle hopefully it was muscle it it looked like muscle um and then of course like what i what i thought like where i really noticed you obviously q's the one who filled me in on you because q told me about you me and him were hooping in the summer and that's when i really found out who you were and i'd started following because When somebody you know has a connection to it, it makes you more invested. And um, then you came and whooped on my wolves, and you splashed 21 on us. And then I was like, damn. I remember texting Q about it, like, this kid's the real deal. Then I think it was a couple games later, like in November, you had a career-high 29 against D-line. I mean, that had to be pretty sweet to do that to your old coach.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, You know, last the start of last season – yeah, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty going into the year about kind of what my role would be. Um, you know, I, I started all the preseason games and I played terribly. I couldn't make a shot. I shot like 28% from three. Um, but like, so, so I actually ended up losing, like I thought I was, I had a chance to start, like if I had played well to start the season and uh, I didn't. So they ended up making a change and I kind of, I came off the bench there for a little bit and, and then we had some injuries, like w- once again, I mean, that's that's kind of how, you know, the NBA works, guys are, are shifting in and out of the lineup a lot more than in college when you're only playing 30 games. But like, we had some injuries, some guys out and because of that, I was always kind of in the rotation. Um, and by that point, like three or four games in, really that, that game against the Wolves, like I really started to feel more and more comfortable um, and, and just kind of start to develop a rhythm and a feel. And, uh, you know, once that happened, I was just able to play a little bit more free in the mind, which, you know, is, is such a huge difference maker. If you're, if you're able to be out there and, and, you know, be like, not be cluttered and just be able to, like, play your game and, and just kind of let your your skill set take over, then it's just so much easier to play.
0: Well, you found it against Beeline, and then you also found it, I remember this Hawks game, because I watched that OT game. You had 34, and you set all those franchise records. I think you had 10 threes that game. That was just absurd, going back and forth with, like, like, just what the hell? What was even going through your mind when you're doing that? You're like, is this real life or is this 2K? Uh,
1: that was a crazy game, man, because we were down, like, I think 10 with, like, a minute left. Uh, we ended up winning in overtime, and Jan, uh, Bam and Jimmy both had triple-doubles. k had 30. Uh, I had my career high. It, it was just like an offensive explosion. Uh, not a lot of defense was played in that one, clearly, um, but we were able to win in OT, which was a, a special game for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean that that also was just like uh, another like point where I just continued to develop my confidence. You know, you have games like that, and you just start to develop this feel for like, all right, like, you know, obviously I'm not going to do that every night, but like I'm capable. Like I'm I'm capable of doing this, and and so much of that like I referenced earlier is like, then you start to develop a reputation as a guy who can come out and, and uh, you know, make some shots and, and cause your team to go on a run for sure.
0: So when you, when you did that to your former coach, did you have a call after the game where he goes, you know what, dunk, I really messed up. I should have played you a little bit differently when you were here <laughs> in Michigan.
1: No, nah, nah. Co- no, coach Beline and I are still, still close. Uh, he, he's been great. I mean, he, he just reached out to me and said how proud he was of me and, how happy he was for me and, you know, gave me a ton of credit for improving a lot since I left Michigan. Um, just because, you know, at, at that point in Michigan, I, I probably, I, I certainly wasn't as good as I am now, um, but I've, I've gotten a lot better since then to, to fit the NBA game as well, just because it, it is a different game, you know, college and NBA, for sure it's different. And then
0: uh, you participated in the three-point competition. I know Jimmy was kind of sad that you didn't take it all. Uh, he was hyping you up you're yeah. all excited i think you were actually like the favorite
2: going into that wasn't he uh, i i'm not sure about the odds i know i did uh wager a couple of dollars on, on duncan of course but Man. yeah yeah of course you know i i knew what i know what he's capable of so i mean it's just i'm sure it's an honor just to compete in that thing and you get the experience and i'm sure next time he goes back he'll, he'll take the trophy home
1: I appreciate that, man. I'm I'm sorry I couldn't get it done for you, man. I'll I'll Venmo you after and, and give your feedback. <laughs> Just win um, it this next year. Just win it this next year. We'll get big. They're not having it this year, man. They're not doing all star weekend this year. Yeah, it's tough.
0: All right. Well, two years. In yeah. two years, you're winning it all.
1: I got plenty of time to practice between now and then. So <laughs>
2: Well
0: then what is what was it like the uh like you said. things are just falling in your lap, opportunity, situation. You're now playing in the playoffs, and you guys are steamrolling people. I remember uh, Q crying when you guys worked in Milwaukee. I remember him crying. I I remember you lost so much money on Milwaukee, you were like, I don't even care if Giannis stays anymore.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, man, we we just, you know, confidence. And and once you go on this run and, and start to develop, uh, this, like, belief, you know, that, that you're capable. Um, you know, the bubble was a huge turning point for us and that we all felt like being in there was a huge competitive advantage And that, you know, we're a younger team um, full of guys that, like, are eager to prove themselves and uh, this, just this kind of collective mindset of, like, embracing it. And we felt like that was a competitive advantage we had over other teams who, who were, like, for whatever reason – worried about the wrong stuff and and trying to get out and not wanting to be there and, um, away from their families and just kind of fed up. Um, whereas we were, we were the opposite. Like, like we loved being there. Um, excited about every opportunity. And I think that probably showed on the court and that, uh, you know, we just, I felt like we just were really starting to like hit our stride in terms of how we were playing on both ends of the floor, playing with a certain level of confidence. Um, And it just kind of carried over, you know, the first series uh, against Indiana. um, You know, we 4-0, 4-1 against Milwaukee, 4-2 against Boston. And uh, then obviously, you know, luck ran a little short against the Lakers. But uh, we definitely definitely had a a good run.
2: That That first series versus Indiana. So I know in the season there were a little – a little, little competitive edge between TJ and, uh, and Jimmy. How was that? Uh, it, it was
1: funny, man, because we actually played them our last regular season game in the bubble. Um, and, I, and I think, or, or sorry, we played them, we played them our sixth game. So we played eight games before the playoffs. We played them our sixth game and our eighth game. So we had already played them twice in the last five days. And then we had a whole series against them. So the good thing about that was because uh, you know a lot of people saw the, you know, the altercation in Indiana, in Indiana, the aftermath of the comments that Jimmy made at the press conference, all that sort of stuff. But because we had played them twice, that whole kind of drama had been settled by that point, which was good And that like we didn't carry that with us into the series. And you know, I remember Jimmy saying to us like before that series, like the series isn't about me and TJ, like it's not. This is about the Miami Heat trying to advance and uh, we were all like super just on, on the same page. Like that, that actually kind of been buried and we were just ready to move forward and and compete and try to advance. You did that. You definitely did that. You guys were like the Cinderella story. I
0: was actually like hoping you guys pulled it off against the Lakers. I was like, take Bron down, man. I want to see David take down Goliath.
1: Yeah, man, it was, uh, you know, we, we definitely had a great run. Um, Obviously, you know injuries are a part of sports for sure but would have loved to have had a chance at them with a a full roster um also you know those first two games um I, i felt like myself for sure but also some other guys we just didn't play to our fullest abilities and not even in terms of like making shots but just like we hadn't played to the identity that we had played to pretty much the whole playoffs um so whatever you want to call it like maybe the stage kind of got to us a little bit for those first two, but after, after those first two, we really did settle in um, and start to play with a lot more confidence. And, and that's when the series kind of started to change. And, you know, we had, we really had a chance in game, game four, um, you know, to tie it two two, we really should have won that game. And it kind of slipped away at the end um, was able to get it to three, two, but at that point, you know, it's once you're down three, it's, one, it's tough to come back against uh, any team, let alone a team that's led by LeBron.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Um, But, I mean, you you wonder what that series would have been like if you had Goron and Bam. Like, I I mean, those are huge pieces.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, they do so much for us um, offensively, defensively. Uh, I think another huge part of it, too, is, like, having guys in and out of the lineup, it's it's hard to catch, like, a a true rhythm. Um, You know, game one, they both go down. Game two, we're trying to adjust. Game three, we figure it out and get one. Game four, Bam comes back, um, and then once again, the rhythm is kind of like a little bit thrown off. Game five, we figure it out and win, and then game six, Goran tries to come back. And, 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 you know, credit to those guys for playing through, like, some pretty brutal injuries, um, but we were just never able to really catch that rhythm that we had kind of been thriving off of all playoffs.
0: Yeah, man, injuries are terrible. I, I hope that doesn't happen in the future. I hope you guys get another chance at it this next coming year. Um. You guys are a very, very, very fun team to watch. And I know me and Q bet on you guys a lot. Uh, so we hope you guys keep it going again as you guys start up here in a little bit. <laughs>
2: you got something else, Q? Um, one last question. What's Duncan's pregame routine? What does it look like? What are you listening to? What, what gets you motivated? You looks know? like
0: Good Kid Mad City in the corner is what it looks like.
1: Um, in terms of pregame routine you know, usually we have shoot around. So, you know, we go there, come back, eat, get a nap. Uh, pregame meal is nothing. It's not like the same thing every time, but it's either like salmon or chicken and rice uh, and like some sort of vegetable. And then, um, in terms of listening to before the game, it just kind of depends what, I, what I'm feeling. Last year is funny. Last year I had, I think it was actually before that Cleveland game, uh, you know, that I played coach B I like listened to money man's new album and I played really well. So then like I was superstitious and I had to listen to money man before every game. So, I, uh, you know, now uh, this year might be something different, but, um, so we'll see. But last year it was like a lot of money man before games, which is funny. Uh, but I'll do different stuff for games. I got like a, a kind of diverse variety. You know, I just like variety in my music. So, um, I like like Georgia Smith, her, like all sorts of different stuff. Um, But, yeah, and then in terms of other parts of my pregame routine is just my shooting routine, which I do before every game, and uh, that, and then I do, like, a little breathing thing. It's kind of like a little, you know, to get centered and and meditate a little bit and then stretch and and then ready to go. You know, is Money Man going to be sending you a paper
0: bag full of money for that, you know, (laughs) that promotion right there? Uh, Nah, probably
1: not. He's doing just fine, man. He's doing just fine.
0: When, when you gonna tell uh, Tyler to get your boy, uh, what Jack Jack to do a little song about you? When are we gonna hear the Devo song?
1: <laughs> no, I'll, I'll leave the songs to Tyler. I'll leave that. He's he's more fitting for uh, for rap songs for sure. I am um, a big Jack Harlow fan. I, I listened to a lot of his music for the game too.
2: Very cool, oh. man before we let you go how's it like playing with Tyler that is a Wisconsin kid you know I'm obviously rooting for him as well as I'm rooting for you so I mean it's crazy seeing his you know rookie season and how how much he's grown and it's also crazy seeing that he was committed to Wisconsin and then you know went to Kentucky played well you know he's living up to the the hype that you know the public I guess puts on him
1: yeah for sure um I, I love playing with Tyler um you know, super dynamic. He's improved so much just since I've known him. Um, love his his confidence, just like unshakable, um, which I have a ton of respect for. And I think probably the thing I like most is, is he's just a worker. He, he loves to work um, always in the gym, um, which, you know, is, he pushes me and, and I, I hope I do the same for him. And it's fun playing with another guy who can really shoot it too. And that, you know, a lot of times it's, it's having two guys out there that can really shoot that it's really what puts stress on the defense. So, um, you know, I, you're going to see him just only get better and better. You know, I, I think the sky is certainly the limit for him, and I'm, I'm excited for him to have a big year. Dude, we appreciate you coming on the show. It was a
0: pleasure. Uh, I know you're going to be out there doing your thing, so we probably won't be able to get back in touch with you for quite a while, but hopefully we can get you back on the show in the future as well. Especially sure, after man. you win that
1: three-point contest in two years. All right, man. Sounds good. I'll, I'll, uh, Q. I'll hit you up so you got my number, man. Hit me whenever, man. I'd be happy to come back for sure. For sure, thank Peace.
0: you,
2: sir.